Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Today, we are going to be discussing launching your product. Medea is here with us and she's going to talk a little bit about her situation and then we will walk through that. I'm launching a new login experience for our customers. Our squad is everything to do with activation. We're changing the way people log in. So you can imagine everyone's going to see that. It's not something that is necessarily a small feature. I'm in the phase where like we're past development. That's pretty much done. We're in testing. We're trying to figure out almost like an alpha beta approach. Who are the right people to call in? Who do we need to get buy-in feedback on? How do we make sure our customers are communicated so this is not a surprise? How do we make sure that this is, in fact, a right experience for the customers? There's a lot of things that, like, me personally, me and my team aren't thinking about. This is another part of my role where you need to make sure you have the right stakeholders involved. Curious your experience with it. I think the biggest thing is just making sure the right people are in the room. Is this the first product you're launching as a squad? No, this is, I think, I I would say this is our second biggest one. Second biggest one. Great. How did you originate this product? How did it get handed off to you? Maybe we can walk through that life cycle to make sure that we're teed up for a successful launch here. Ooh, I love it. Okay, so started off, I think, from the customers, like straight up just a bunch of pain points. We are recognizing more and more, like the amount of support tickets we got. A lot of them were related to their login experience. We took that and then we also compared it to this activation funnel that we created, which is basically showing where are people dropping off when they get into our application, when they log in, and then when they use it. We realized there was a big drop-off in the login port. So we're like, hmm, there's something there. Then we went through interviewing people, getting qualitative analysis, quantitative analysis, and like we pitched it to our stakeholders to be like, hey, we think this is a priority. It really, we sold it as, if you can't log in, you can't do anything. You went through the analysis, you started taking a look at some actual customer data. You started to craft the pitch. You basically said, hey, this is an important issue. We need to go fix it, right? Yeah. Was it just for logins or was it a complete onboarding? We can say it is technically part of a bigger picture of the onboarding experience, but then this was a more painful part of that holistic picture. But we wanted to obviously start with one. You now found this opportunity and you pitched it to the executive team. Tell me about that. What was included in the pitch? I remember a pitch deck of the roadmap items that we wanted to work on and this project being one of them and really focusing on data. There's one thing explaining the story, but then there's one thing showing how impactful this is. Honestly, it was pretty easy of a sell because even the stakeholders had the same experience. So it's almost Mm -hmm. like, they're also feeling the pain and like we're as a company internally feeling the pain. And so they kind of related. So it's almost like, shared experiences. I think the biggest thing they were figuring out is like, how are you planning to break this up? Because we know onboarding is such a Mm. painful experience, but how do you plan on addressing these things? Because not everything can happen at once. And that was the thing I had to sell. I wanted to focus on what we were doing and what we aren't going to do, which I was negotiating a little bit with stakeholders because of everyone's priorities. Did you initially go into the pitch with an action plan or did you craft that in the room with that group? I came in with the pitch 
pitch because before the pitch, I have talked with those people like one-on-one. So I didn't want to go in where people Blind. were surprised. I wanted to make sure one-on-one got their buy-in before I created this action plan of this is how we want to approach it, got their feedback, changed a little bit of things, and then just presented it to the CEO more blind, I guess. How did you actually break that onboarding process down to the specific thing that you wanted to solve? And did you actually pitch the solution or did you just pitch the area that you wanted to focus on? No, I pitched a solution because the area, I think we aligned on like, that's an issue and that's something that they want to prioritize. The way I went with this is a really big qualitative perspective. It was so painful. Every time I would talk in an interview, this login experience was always brought up and it almost even decreased our NPS scores. There was a lot of factors that affected this whole process. I started with that data one thing, but I think really just hearing everyone and how they felt about it, I just felt if we could like achieve this, I think there were more things that they were able to be okay with. You got buy-in on the problem, the focus area of the problem, and a proposed solution. You then pitched to the executive team, focusing on the data, articulating that everyone kind of felt this pain. So they already kind of knew, but then you're also packaging this up. Then what happened? Then we get into the development phase. Like, what is this going to look like? How is this going to be built? Are there any limitations that we're seeing? And on one end, I had asked the designers, which I really like their approach. They they give a like the ideal case of what it, we want it to look like. And here's MVP. And I think it's like MVP plus MVP. Like, let me show like different variations and then let's talk to the development team to see what's possible. For me, my biggest focus in that process was naturally a sense of timeline. I didn't want to have something that we build take seven months, very focused on what's the bare minimum we can get. And so for me, instead of focusing on so many bells and whistles, the real goal for users to be able to log in easily. And if our solution is not directly achieving that, then we can put that in phase two. That doesn't need to be a phase one. And so I think that was like really the next step of the minor details and going through that logic. It's tough with logging experience that I'm realizing because you have to also think about like users and like the types of users that are in your application. What if there's many accounts associated with one person? There's so many cases you think about when it comes with login. It's not as simple as, oh, just build X and Y will happen. You have to think of how many different cases can happen when a user logs in. Like what are the various ways people can experience this? I think it was doing a lot of that. So a lot of Excel sheets, a lot of working with internal teams, working with even some of our customers tell me exactly what happens when you reach this page or when you do this action. So a lot of investigative work while developers were, you know, making the application itself. You had the bare bones and then the couple nuances there. You're moving in parallel as much as you can. You're designing the product as you're building. Exactly. There's moments where you're like, oh shoot, I forgot this story or I forgot this case scenario where you're like, oh my God. (laughs) And that's always sometimes stressful because you're like, I committed to this stakeholders this timeline and we forgot this okay and then you get through your epics your stories you're getting near the point where you're ready to launch this thing right is that kind of where you're at now exactly i've been kind of going back and forth on the approach of this how are you thinking about it 
I want people to use it and give us feedback. That was my biggest intention of I want people to feel it, understand it, use it and tell us if this is something that's going to work. How can we create that experience, but also it still be in this development stage where it's not in production? The way I kind of approached it was this alpha beta approach. What I'm thinking is to get our main stakeholders to experience the product, give us initial feedback. And then the goal is to use the feature flag to then test it with certain amount of customers creating a beta program. And in a way, I think interesting thought about a beta program in one end, it gives you feedback. But in another end, from like just a customer sentiment, it makes them feel involved in the process, which I've noticed is like really important. They want to feel they're part of the process. And I think especially in this time with companies who are more figuring out their direction and very focused on retention of their customers, I think that's really important. How do we make sure they feel like they're part of the process? I think there's leading indicators of them in a way staying and retaining as a customer. Thinking that approach, like creating a beta program, and then once the beta program gets good, then hitting it to production. But I don't know, I'm still exploring it. It's a lot of work and like customers want to know changes months in advance sometimes, which is difficult because we haven't even built it out yet. What type of feedback are you looking to get from them before you launch? I think, does this improve the current experience you have today? Mm. Like that's number one from them. Is this something that actually helps? I don't want it to just look nice. I want it to also make it seem like it's easier for them. Is it that you want to make it seem easier or do you want to actually make it easier for them? Because you're saying like it's more of a perception of a design-led flashy feature. Like is this actually solving a problem for them? I think it's a little bit of both. I definitely think it's solving a problem at some because I don't think it's just a UX change like it's very much like there's logic involved of how we decide who logs in where do they log in from especially with login you have to think about the various ways to log in today especially in social media you see how easy it is to like log in with google log in with Mm. facebook it sounds like you're exploding this problem space which is huge right like absolutely i mean it's a huge space so how do you actually focus and get one thing done at a time here to make progress a way to look at that is what is the first customer problem that you're solving solving for. The way I've seen it, the main problem we're solving for in this process is as a user, I don't know which way to log in into Specit. And like, I'll tell you what the, the, like the problem that they face right now, they enter our page and because there's so many ways to log in, they don't know which way to pick. And so because they don't know which way to pick, they either get stuck. They ask questions. Time to log in is like way increased now. So I think that's the problem. Like, how do we make it or the solution is how do we make this a more seamless experience. You didn't really articulate the problem. What What is the problem that you're trying to solve for them? Use one statement. I don't know how you segment your users. Maybe there's some ICP or something that you, language you can use, like an account manager. I don't know exactly who the title is, but let's oh. say account managers, for an example, are trying to log in and they can't. Like, is that the problem or is it that they get confused and they get hung up? Like, what is the problem in particular for them? I guess we didn't phrase it like that. So this is actually a cool exercise for me. I would say ours is when salespeople are looking for the content that they need, they get stuck in the login process because they can't log in or they don't know how to log in. Ah, okay. Yeah, specificity in the wording is super important, right? Because if they can't, that's one thing. If they don't know how... 
That's another, yeah. right? And so I think yeah. understanding that and spending a lot of time getting that statement specific and prioritized is going to only help you, right? Because then now when you're at mm. this launch phase, how do you know if you've already exploded what you're doing, right? It, it's very hard to then work back to say, how do I know that I solved that problem and for who? It becomes more of like, oh, I own this domain and now we have all these features yeah. and it's like all over yeah. the place and I don't know what's going on. You know, so I always start there and then you can say, well, great. Now, how could you test that if they don't understand how to log in? How would you be able to verify that? And so now when we think about deployment, you got to the point where you're shipping your feature right, or ready to. How do you know that your solution or your proposed solution is going to solve that problem? Now you, you've you already done the development work or it's in parallel, so it's a little late to the game. What if it doesn't, right? right. Like, uh-oh, we're screwed. And so what I would do up right. front now in an ideal process, right, you articulate that statement and then you vet those risks up front before the development starts. Now that you're at this phase, I would, mm. you know, drop any further development until we answer that question first. It could even be done in like a Figma mock, right? And you can just demo it with a customer and just say, hey, I'm going to ask you to do an activity. I'll give you a link and I'm just going to observe and take notes. That's an yeah. easy way for you to answer that question. Can they figure it out here? You can even throw out a few scenarios so it gives you some, you know, variance. But that's just, and then no. it's just one customer, right? So that's one way to do it. You could use, there's a lot of tools like usability.com that you can put Figma mocks on and give them a prompt and see if they can figure things out. But you might not get the exact customer profile that you're looking for. That's another angle that you can answer the stuff before development too. Let's assume that we've done all those things and now we're ready to deploy. There's a couple different lenses to look at this. And I think you're onto something with the program. It's super valuable, but it's its own initiative, right? It's huge work yeah. to go and do all that stuff. And yeah, if you have it, tap into it. Absolutely. But, you know, I would break down those deployment phases into potentially four, maybe three, depending on different steps. I love the dog fooding, right? And so give it, like you said, internal. Give them a fig mock, mess around, see, get feedback. What do you think? Is that easy? You know, were we able to do it? You can interview them like I just mentioned, right? Just bring it up and say, I'm going to ask you to try to log in. Can you figure that out without me telling you and see if they can figure it out, right? So those are some ways you can dog food it. And then what you would do is like, do you have any customers internally that match the profile of who you're serving externally? That's another way to dog food, right? Because then they can, they already know they can figure those things out. Then I would move things. Let's start to dial it up because during that time, I'm assuming some of your assumptions are going to be wrong and then you can tweak. It gives you some tweaking to make sure that you hit the ground running when you deploy with your best foot forward. And then it becomes a, a question of scalability, right? Like, does this actually feasibly scale as we scale it up percentage wise to the right users, depending on how many you're serving in the specific offering? No, it's crazy that you say that because like even the whole approach, it makes me actually think about the book I recently read like design sprint i think you guys talked about this oh, yeah. in another session it's like the whole concept of like literally first of all and i think sometimes i'm guilty of this where you get so attached to the solution mm -hmm. that you're almost your data is almost biased <laughs> where it's like you're like feeding them the answer so it reminds me of that like how can you be so like scrappy where you're not attached to the solution and you're purely trying to solve that question yes. and like i think that is maybe an approach we could have done better at for sure yeah. because it's almost like we assume things and i mean we're about to see how this how this works and i guess the iterations will help but i really like that the uh takeaway it seemed like almost is really articulating that problem before 
or really spending a lot more time there, making sure yeah. it's the right one, making sure it's the most important and urgent and, and the one that we want to test. Because then when you get to testing, you're just asking yeah. one question and one problem versus one solution to who knows what problem and who knows if I solved what problem, right? Like it, it becomes very... Chaos. Way more difficult, right? The other thing, though, you touched on like this beta program. I think I've seen success with a lot of folks. There's this really cool browser that I've been messing around with called Arc. I don't know if y'all have heard of this, but Arc.net is the browser. But in their beta release, it's like an invite only kind of thing. So you have that exclusivity, the early access. We talked to another monetization guy, Chris. He mentioned switching the mindset from beta testing to early access gives mm -hmm. the user a different lens to treat the product itself. So it actually puts them in a, at ease almost to say like, this solves my problem and I want early access and I know it's going to be buggy because, you know, I know it's exclusive. They're new, they're innovating, but I don't care because it's, you know, it's solving a problem for me. If you actually switch the mindset on that program to be more of that early access, I think you encourage that way of thinking. And now their community that they're building around the product is a little bit more collaborative, right? Like there's still, there's willingness, there's feedback that I'm seeing, like they just put out a release and they said, hey, we heard your feedback. We actually, they highlighted the person. They said, I hear you and we did this about that. And, you know, and they even explained some of their product decisions in the release notes, which was like awesome to oh, see. Wow. To your point, I know you mentioned early access can apply to especially B2C software. Our company, I guess, right now is more B2B. The whole intention behind it, I think, is the customers feeling involved in this process. And I think that's really important, especially right now in this time frame that we're in where admins and customers are rethinking, is this a product that we want to keep holding on to? And I do think something like this also helps, like knowing that they're part of it. It's like a feeling of like, I'm not FOMO, like I'm not missing out on it. Thing, I'm part of it. This is my product that I'm also involved in. Like, there's a sentiment that I think is really powerful from a retention standpoint. I like that kind of reframing of early access versus beta program. There's some approaches we talked about to launching a product. A lot of it is preparation, it's getting that thing ready for showtime and how much of work and effort and the right things, right questions answered before you flip the switch. You could always put out these products ahead of time and still iterate in front of the customers too, but it's also about what methodology or what kind of conversation you, you want to have with your customers yeah. and what kind of product you're willing to put out there in front of them. I don't want to create a poor user experience while I'm iterating and testing a feature. And so a lot of these techniques we talked about today, I think can help you get there without risking that experience and also without risking the ability to be agile. And so I think that's important too. There's probably a multitude of different approaches you could take here in your product, but here's just one we talked about. Medea, if you were to give homework to our listeners this week, what would you, what would you give to them? I would say, I mean, this being also my experience and kind of taking it from a umbrella perspective, I would just, to your point, figure out what the problem is. And before involving development, get scrappy with it. Use slides. You don't even, maybe you don't have to use Figma. Like literally put things on slides and ask customers to use it to verify if something like this will actually work because it'll save you a lot of time and a lot of stress and reiteration. So that's something I actually am taking for myself that I will also encourage you guys to also take. Awesome. If anything, my homework's all around the problem statement and the core thing that you're trying to solve for before and not really getting married to the solution. I think Medea, you touched on that nicely is like 
we can usually get blinded you know, put our blinders on, especially when we're excited about something. We think we struck gold or found something really great that we want to lead with is like, let's get more excited about the problem and solving that than the actual thing that we're doing. That would be my homework. Well, thank you, Medea, for joining us today. And thank you for listening. Looks like we finished up our coffee. Now go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover, and who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.